listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. To those of you that are watching right now, 1030 in the venue, Pastor Mitch is over there and uh, we're glad you guys are with us. Good morning to our Old Town campus. Good morning to you guys over there with Pastor Dwayne. And out in Novato in Marin County with Pastor David. Good morning to you guys. We're glad you're with us too. So, man, uh, we are starting a new series today. And uh, it's called Ask Me My Story. And we're going to be talking about the power of someone's testimony. So growing up, um, I didn't, you know, I, I started going to church as a uh, little kid, but I didn't really understand church or anything, except that they gave you candy if you did Bible verses. And um, if you ask Jesus in your heart, they like, you know, you got something too out of that. And I didn't want to go to hell. So I was like, yeah, I want that. But I didn't understand the whole thing. And then um, it wasn't until I was a teenager, I started going back to church because I met someone very special. It was a girl. But um, it happens, right? But along the way, throughout my life, throughout your life, God's given all of us a testimony, a story. And one of the words they used to use back in the day in church is testify, brother, testify, right? You know, if, you're, if you're Baptist, you know, you're like, oh, testify. And you know what, what that means is tell them your story. Tell them what you saw. Tell them, tell them what you got. And every one of us has a story that God's given us. Um, and whether you, uh, you know, you have this incredible drama in your life or there was a lot of pain or heartache or whatever and then God redeemed you from it or you're like my friend uh Pastor Jared Coleman uh Dwayne Pastor Dwayne's father actually at Old Town yeah and I remember one day he goes oh I, I was I was a drug baby I was like you what and he's like yeah I was drugged to church every Sunday since I was a baby <laughs> and <laughs> so everyone's got a different testimony everyone's got a different story everyone can testify to who Jesus is differently so we're going to talk about that over the next three weeks. So um, I, I want to set up the scripture before I read it to you this morning. It's a story out of John chapter 4. And see, uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. And um, he travels through this region of Israel called Samaria. Everyone in the room say Samaria. Samaria. Let's make sure you're with me because some of you look a little sleepy today. You might have had a churro early and your sugar lows hit. So in Samaria, the, the, the Samaritans were this uh, group of, they were kind of half Jewish, half, half, half uh, well, Arab. So they were, they were called Samaritans. And um, the Jews and the Samaritans had a deep racial hatred for each other. Okay, like deep and it was open. I know in the, in the West here, a lot of times our racism gets covered up in niceties and, and all that and we're not overt about it. But in that part of the world, it was like, no, we hate them. I mean, they were just honest about it. And they, they called each other dogs and they were subhuman. And the Samaritans, um, the Jews would call the Samaritans half-breeds. And uh, they weren't fit to be in the temple. Gen they were worse than a Gentile. And uh, so the Samaritans worshipped at a temple they had built in Samaria, in that area where Jesus was. And then the Samaritans hated the Jews. And they thought they, 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 they weren't God's true people, that the Samaritans were, and that the, their temple in Jerusalem was a joke, that the glory of God had left that long ago and was on theirs. And they had kind of this, this thing going on. It was like, 
It was like, like the Baptists and the Pentecostals going after each other, okay? And, uh, but worse, because the Samaritans at one point, they decided that the Jewish temple was so um, evil, they would desecrate it. And they actually brought the bones of dead bodies and laid it throughout the Jewish temple and desecrated it at night when no one was there. And there was this deep hatred. So when Jesus says, we're going to go through Samaria, all the disciples are sketched out. They don't go in that part of town. They don't go there. It's dangerous. You stay away from the Samaritans because, you know, the, the Samaritans might come and get you. And they might actually come and get you. Jews didn't go in Samaria. Samaritans didn't go in the, in the, in the Jewish part. And Jesus, though, decides we're going to travel through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. And they stop in Samaria and they go to this place called Jacob's Well. And it's actually a real place. It's a well. It's where they believe Jacob first watered his flocks, you know, and he was, um, it's, it's there in the Old Testament. And uh, depending on the, the time, but if you go to Israel with me, I've, I've, we've been there uh, before where you, you can go and you can see this well where it is. But Jesus has this conversation with this Samaritan woman. He gets there in the afternoon. It's hot. It's dusty. And right away, you know, we don't know. But if you lived in that time and you heard about a, Samar a woman at the well in the afternoon, something was different. Something was wrong. See, because the way it worked was all the women would get together in the morning before it got hot and they would go to the well together. They all went in large groups, kind of like ladies, you go to the bathroom together sometimes. You rarely see dudes do that. You're never going to like be in church and a guy's going to lean over and go, bro, I got a tinkle. You want to go? <laughs> yeah, let's go. That's weird. Although if you want to weird your friend out, do it today watching football. I don't know. So, but they, they went to the well in groups, A, because it was a social thing, but B, it was also a safety thing. But this woman's there by herself. And here's what that means. We know right away she's not part of the in crowd. She's outcast. There must be a reason why she's there by herself. And then Jesus comes, who's a Jew. Jews don't talk to Samaritan men, let alone Samaritan women. And Jesus starts this conversation with the Samaritan woman. It's a whole nother sermon I could give. It's about three other sermons I could give. But I just wanted to give you the setup. And she, she, at the end of this conversation, she's like, oh my gosh, are, are you the Messiah? And, you know, and he, he, he says, oh, by, why don't you go back and ask your husband? And she kind of, kind of feels some shame, and she's like, "Well, I, I don't, I don't have a husband." And then Jesus doesn't shame her more. He just is very matter of fact. He's all, "You're right. You've had five, and the guy you're with now isn't your husband. Go back and tell the people." And that's one of the beautiful things about Jesus is he doesn't leave us in our shame. And make us wallow in it. As humans, we like to make other humans wallow in their shame because it makes us feel better about ourselves. But what God does is he pulls you out of it. So this woman, and the, she, she goes back to tell the people, and this is where we're going to take off as we read in God's word. And I love it wherever you're at, whether you're here at the North Campus or in a venue or an old town in Novato. If you're driving your car, please don't stand. But everyone else stand in honor of God's word. And I'm going to read from John chapter 4, verses uh, or 27 to 29, and then 39 to 42. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, 
The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. But now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is God's word. You may be seated. So, I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't have the Clovis Hills app, even if you're out in Nevada, download the Clovis Hills app. Um, in, in it is the outline. There's Bible study questions. There's all that. But if you're taking notes today and you, you want, to, want to look in the app, number one, I want to talk, talk about tell your story. How do you, how, how do you, how do you tell your story? Why should I tell my story? I've said it before, every one of us in this room has a different story. And believe it or not, your successes, your failures, the good things in your life, the bad things in your life, even the things that you are shameful about, if you are in Christ Jesus, God wants to take every one of those things and use it to point other people to him. Because the beauty of your story is, um, it's a sub point in this outline, your story is unique, believe it or not. Your, your story is unique and you have the power. So the uniqueness of your story is amazing. Um, and, and sometimes people, we, we only want to tell the good parts about our stories. And that's what Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok, and that's what that's for. That's for faking that we're all happy. But do you know that most people identify more with your pain than your success? People don't look at your perfect family and go, oh my gosh, I totally connect with that person. No, usually what they're feeling is either jealousy or feeling inferior. But they connect, we connect in our pain. I'll give you a great example. I couldn't believe, well, anyways. Um, how many of you in this room, show of hands, have ever gone physically to a Super Bowl before? Anyone in the room? No one. We had someone last service. I was like, dang it, that was a bad illustration. But anyways, he was a good guy, so he's cool with it. But no, no one, okay? But show of hands, how many of you have someone very close to you that has had cancer or has cancer right now? Show of hands. Hold them up, look around the room, look at each other right now. Wherever you're at, listen. Usually, we identify with our pain, even our failures, because we've all failed. How many have ever been fired before? Show of hands. I have several times. <laughs> Big surprise, right? But we're so afraid to hide our failures. But the God of the universe wants to take all of your story. And he wants you to take that and use it to point people at Jesus. And sometimes people have really incredible failures, like maybe a life of drugs or, or relationships have blown up or whatever, or pain that has been put on you and, and all that. But then you may be like, well, I don't really have much of a story. I've kind of gone to church my whole life. I've been a pretty good person. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 I haven't had much happen to me. But I want you to understand something. 
Even in that moment, your story is unique. I can't tell you how many people I know that have um, really struggled with things in their life and they see your story and they long for that one. And there's power in, in being able to say, you know what? I, you know, I've followed Christ my whole life and God has been so good to me and he's protected me. And I haven't really had massive failures, just a million little failures. It was death by paper cut. But Jesus has changed it all. And he's changing me and he continues to watch over me. That's a story. So your story is unique and your story has power, believe it or not. I don't know if you understand this, but your story, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are in Christ, you've invited Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you have to understand this. Your story ends with the gospel. It ends with Jesus dying for you, coming into your life, filling you with his spirit, empowering you to lead a life that God has not made you perfect. He's not made you right. He's not made you all this. He's making you new though. He's making you forgiven. And your story always ends in the gospel. And I want you to know this about the gospel. The apostle Paul says in Romans 1.16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. That you're, that you're not to be ashamed of this gospel. I think so many times as Christians living in the 21st century, the, the world is put on us like, oh, don't, don't push your beliefs on us while they throw all their garbage on us. Just saying. Oh, don't, don't, don't proselytize me while they proselytize our kids on TikTok and Instagram and, and, and Snapchat. The internet's told me what to believe. Listen, guys, the gospel, the good news is the power of God. Don't ever be ashamed of it. Amen. Did you know in the book of Acts, I didn't say this in the last service, but in the, in the book of Acts, when they were being persecuted by the, by the Jews and the Romans, the early church, they got together and they prayed and they didn't pray, God, let there be a recall on Pilate. He's evil. Didn't pray that. They didn't pray, God, smite the Jews that are persecuting us and throwing us in jail. Didn't pray that. You know what they prayed? Lord, make us bolder. Lord, make us bolder. Because your story ends with power, what Jesus has done. So we're doing this thing called the, the Ask Me My Story Challenge. Over the next three weeks, um, we're giving out these shirts. Um, they say, Ask Me My Story on it. And here's what I, I want to encourage you to do. Um, if you're a t-shirt wearing person, um, I want to encourage you to get one of these. We're giving them away, although the 9 o'clock service took almost all of the ones here. So we'll have another 500 for you by next week. But there's a few left out there, so grab those. And on it, it says, ask me my story. And my hope is in this series, you're going to learn how to share your story in 30 seconds, in three minutes, or over dinner, over 30 30 minutes and how your story can end and culminate in what God has done in your life. And you'll be shocked what God will do when people ask you your story. As a matter of fact, past, I, you know, we made the, the staff wear them this morning to church and um, on, <laughs> poor, poor Pastor Mitch has never worn a t-shirt in his life. He was born with a collar. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> He's listening in the 1030 service right now. But <laughs> Yeah, we, we all wore them. And Pastor Scott was telling us this morning he was getting gas. And while he was pumping gas, he had this shirt, right? And it says, ask me my story. And the guy goes, all right, I'll buy it. What's your story? And Scott had a great response. He wasn't like, well, it all started when I was two years old living in Downey County. He didn't do that. 
He's had a great response. It was this three-second response even, which you should have that one too. You could be on the gym, at the gym, and someone's like, what's your, okay, what's your story? Pastor Scott just said, oh, you know, Jesus Christ has made an incredible difference in my life, and he keeps making a difference in my life. That's all he had to say. All of a sudden, he's pointing people to Jesus. You just point them to Jesus. And that, that, was, that was the beauty of it. And that guy, that guy right there fell on his knees. He was, he, he, I'm kidding. He didn't. He was, go, he was on his way to church. It's Sunday morning. Come on. <laughs> Wasn't going to the right church, but anyways, whatever. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Totally kidding on that one. But I want to encourage you, get a shirt. If you're the t-shirt wearing kind of person, get one. Wear it out. We're going to be doing a class. Um, it's a kind of, we have a class called 401 we do. We do 101, 201, 301, 401. 401 is how to share your faith. We're going to do a condensed version of it. Um, Old Town has one next week at Old Town. And uh, Tony O'Donnell is going to be teaching it there. We have one here the week after um, that Corrine uh, and Jeff are going to be teaching here on how to share your story. And Pastor David is going to be having one at our Novato campus as well on how to share your story. And I want to, I want to encourage you Take the class. There's going to be uh, food provided and there'll be childcare if you want to do it. It'll be great. We want you to do that so you can learn to tell your story in, you know, in a moment, in 30 seconds while you're standing in line at the grocery store, in three minutes while you're standing in line at Starbucks, or 30 minutes um, if you're, at a real, it, you know, you're, you're somewhere where you've got that time and you can share it with a person. And then the last thing that, that we did is we added a button on our app. And it, it's, it, it's just a tell me your story button. It's, it's whenever you have some kind of spiritual conversation, you know, it could be the three second ones like, like yeah, Jesus made a difference in my life. Or, or you're, you know, you're eating dinner and you ask the waiter, oh, hey, do you go to church? Where do you go to church at? You know, and you have a spiritual conversation with someone. Just hit the button. It'll just record that you had a spiritual conversation. You don't have to put a ton of information in. We're not going to contact you or anything. But how, what we want to do is we want to record how many times people of Clovis Hills, the Hills, all of our campuses have spiritual conversations over the next year. How amazing would it be to look back a year later and be like, you know what? We really were being the church. We had 5,000 spiritual conversations in the state. Listen, we had a guy watching in Spain last service who downloaded the app and is committed to having spiritual conversations. So guys... I want to encourage you to lean into that and be the church. This is a great way to be the church. I also want to encourage some of you that are in this 1040 service in here right now. I'm talking just to you guys. Is uh, Some of you, one of the great ways that you can help be the church is you're like, ah, I'm not really going to invite anyone to church. Don't worry about it, BD. That's fine. That's, I'm not here to guilt anyone into doing that. But I would encourage you, go check out our 1030 service in, in, in the venue. Free up a seat for all the new people that are going to be coming. That's an incredible way to be the church, just a simple sacrifice to see other people come to Jesus as well. And you'll find there's an amazing experience in there too with Cameron and, and Pastor Sean, Sean uh, I almost said O'Donnell, Sean Meyer over there. It's awesome. So number two, there's a thing about our church that we are a, um, a, a what they call an attractional church that you come to Clovis Hills, and you get to hear the gospel. It's a come and see element. There's also an element that where we want people to go and tell. 
right? Go tell people about Jesus. Go be the church. So we come and see what God has done. We go and tell what, what he has done as well. So no, number two, I want to talk to you about come and see, though, because that's an important part of this. So if you have your outline, number two is come and see. And I want to read to you verse 28 and 29, chapter four. Look what happens. It says, then leaving her water jar. So she went there to get water. She just, she was so excited about what Jesus had said to her and about this conversation she had. She just left it there and she went right back into town. She left her water jar there. And it says here, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? There's this element that as we're telling people about Jesus, that we invite them to come and see, to come, come be part of a community, come be part of what God's doing here. And there's something very powerful to that. Sometimes you're able to tell them about Jesus. Other times you're able to invite them here. And um, it's, it's cool. I'll tell them about Jesus. If you don't want to, you just got to get them here. I'll be Mariano Rivera. I'll make the last inning pitch. But there's that element to it that, that we go and tell and we invite people to come and see. And there's power in that. Uh, one of my mentors, his name's Phil, and he, um, he always talks about this thing called the power of an invitation and how a simple invitation can change a person's life and how an invitation changed his life. And, and really, if you think about it, <coughs> for all of us, we were invited into a relationship with Christ by someone. And there's a power in that invitation. So... I want to bring a friend up right now. And um, he's a pastor of a church that we uh, support. It's one of our church plants. It's in Sanger, California. And uh, his name is Pastor Jacob Zalian. He's the pastor of Set Free Church. So come on up here. Where is Jacob? Where'd he go? Oh, you're over here now. You're over there last service. Right on. I this like is Pastor to Jacob. Switch it up. <laughs> Switching it up on me, man. Yeah. This X. Uh, now, come on in closer. Okay, there you go. There we go. going to fall on me. Nothing will fall. Yeah, okay. that, that's a trap door, actually. Okay. You don't want to stand on that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, Jacob has a very powerful story. <coughs> and um, I know, like, I've heard it all. And to be honest, his story could be a movie. But I thought it'd be really cool if in like three minutes or less, you could share your story. And you can mute me while I choke over here. Okay. <laughs> So um, my story, um, I grew up in a broken home. Dad started using drugs. Uh, and so there, there was many times as a young kid, those young memories I have of my dad, it was my mom waking me up in the middle of the night and we were having to run from our house going to my grandparents because he was trying to come in all drunk and take me. Um, and, and then so I, I grew up at a, at a Catholic home where it was cool at my grandmother's house. I lived there, me and my mom. And then I'd go visit my dad, and then in the bathroom, stacks of porn, pornography, um, in the ashtrays, there was little roaches, which is not cockroaches, but, you know, marijuana roaches. And I would be in the backyard with a magnifying glass, burning and lighting cigarettes and smoking roaches, and, and just starting to dabble in that stuff. And, and so I had this split, you know, family. I would see my cousins, and they, they had their mom and dad, and, and I, I yearned for that. I wanted that. I wanted to have a dad around. I wanted to have a dad that was sober. And um, so it was just chaos and chaos growing up. And, at, you know, I was already dabbling in drugs. I was in sports. I was good at all that I did in the sport world. And then um, at the age of 16, I couldn't get a hold of my dad for like three days. And my mom took me over there. I had a break into the back. And um, I'll never forget that day. 
Um, I remember how I looked. I remember the way it smelled. I remember the dog coming up to me. And I walk into the living room and I look and I call his name and he's on the couch. And I, I touched him on the cheek, you know, and he was ice cold. And, and it was just like my body just went numb. And, you know, a 16-year-old kid finding their dad dead. And I went and opened the door for my mom and I ran to his room. And I just started grabbing all his money and his cigarettes, their Winston cigarettes. And I went outside and I just started smoking. And, you know, I, I was like, I, I got this. I, I'm good. I, I'm solid. I, I could go to school the next day. I, I, I'm a man. I could deal with this. But I could deal with it because I started to numb myself with alcohol and with drugs and with acid crank and coke and you name it I was doing it I was doing it everywhere and, and it was just that that spiral just going down um in the midst of the chaos I met a beautiful woman um she's consistently after persistently trying to pursue her she finally took bite and I set that fishing hook in and you know we fell in love started having kids and then after about my second kid I started I got back in crystal meth and I just started to hit that slope downhill and just started robbing cars, um, in and out of jail. Um, I was able to, I, I accumulated about 16 uh, felonies. And, um, you know, I, I finally, I'll, I'll never forget that day. I had the perfect opportunity to run. There, there was a, a dead-end road and there were cement pillars. If I stepped across that dead-end road, that's county territory. Singer cops say, you ain't gonna chase me because that's sheriff territory. And something I was just like, I didn't even wanna run no more, I was tired. And that was today. 10 years ago, today, 10 years ago, I, I was so tired. I was so broken. And I was just like, and I was like, take me to jail. I'm, I'm tired of living on these streets. And I went to jail and something was different about that day. They, they ended up keeping me in there. And I went to the holding cell and I looked around and the holding cell was empty. I've never seen it like that. And I was like, I'm going up today. And it was like, oh, all right, I could finally rest. And, and I went up and I ended up doing six months there. And it was in that six months, in, in like in about three months after that, my baby's mom came to see me. We weren't seen, we weren't together for over a year. We were separated. And she like just, you know, women, you're great with doing that gut shot to the, you're your man, right? And she did one of those gut shots to me. And she told me, she goes, you're doing to your kids what your dad did to you. And, and it, was like, I, I, it was like a walk of shame when I walked back into the cell and there was like 70 other dudes in there and I remember just coming up to, the, the, to my bunk and I was in the middle bunk and I just got on my knees and I just cried out to God. I said, God, I can't do this no more. I've tried to get sober. I've tried to be a dad. I love my kids. And I, I used to go outside of their house and I wanted to be in there, but the drugs had me as a slave. And I said, I'm tired. I give up. Do something with me. I'm broken. I, I can't make it no more. And it was fourth floor county jail D-pod. The Holy Spirit came inside and it turned this heart of stone and made it into a heart of flesh. And I had like a new desire, I had a new nature. And I started to grow in his grace and I started to like just fall madly in love with Jesus. And still today, over 10 years later, I'm still madly in love and I'm growing more in his grace. Amen to that. Story. Yeah. So listen, first things first. Today is your 10 year sober 10 anniversary. 10 years, yeah. So I went and I broke into the Celebrate Recovery yeah. uh, closet and I found a 10 year chip. I hope you didn't have a set free shirt on. Listen, um, on Tuesday nights, we, ha we have CR here, people's lives are getting changed like that as well. So I, I, I stole this from them. So par sorry, Pastor Todd, as you watch right now. <laughs> but I wanna give this to you. Thank you. 
And I want to tell you guys a little something about this guy and his story. See, Jacob pastors a church in Sanger now. And as a matter of fact, Pastor Sean Meyer, one of our pastors, is preaching there right now. He's preaching there tonight. Amen, yes. And um, he also took Jacob and Jacob opened a, a sober living house. How many, how many guys you got living in there right now? We have now? 17 uh, uh, men and one female. One female, right? Okay, so listen, 18 people. Two living quarters. Yeah, don't worry, separate. Yeah. Um, so the crazy part is when you talk to the cops in that town and they say, hey, where, where are drug addicts going? Not like they're looking like, man, we're running out of drug addicts. We got to get some more. <laughs> They'll all tell you like, oh, <laughs> we take them to set free. We take them over to Jacob and set free. The very guy they were busting 10 years ago. Yes, they were. God is now using to help get these guys off the streets. So about three, four months ago, I was talking with Jacob and, uh, you know, they're always raising money because, you know, it costs a couple hundred bucks a month for about 350 bucks a month for each okay, person yeah. in, to go through sober living. And they're going through not just sober living. It's like discipleship from sun up to sundown. He's got them working jobs or, you know, they're, they're raising money for, for set free. And he was like, hey, I've got this opportunity. I think we're going to buy a churro truck. I've, all I've got is all this in my savings. And I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And I said, bro, push your chips to the middle of the table and watch what God does. And they bought this churro truck and now they're selling churros and it helps fund the guys and keep them in, in sober living. Yeah. It helps get more guys off the street, send them to the set free ranches, to those things. So here's the thing, today at North, there's a churro truck out there. Yeah. So I think even if you're, you know, everyone buy a churro, buy a bunch of churros. If you have diabetes, buy a churro, give it to someone else, I don't care. He actually made, it's a golden churro. Yeah. It's pretty rad. Want to and see 99 of them sold. Yeah, 99 of them. He's selling it for a thousand bucks. And that will keep a guy off the streets for three months. Three months. Right? Or three guys for a month, either way. So I want to encourage you. Uh, we had a guy last service. He's like, I'll buy one. And uh, he threw down. Did he, did he actually eat it? I w didn't see it. Oh, if he didn't eat it, I, I want think it. He but anyway, so, so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Buy the man's churros, amen? Support Set Free. This is, our church stands with Set Free. We've sent people that we knew were struggling in addiction and they couldn't just go on a Tuesday night to CR. They needed something every day. We sent them to Set Free amen. and yes. God sets them free. So give it up for Pastor Jacob. Thank you. Thanks, bro. So here's the thing. Your story doesn't save people. But when you're willing to just point to Jesus and say, no, 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 he does. Because it's God that does the saving. And there will be people that when you tell them their story, they're not interested. Or when you invite them to, to come and hear the gospel, they're not interested. As a matter of fact, you might get outed as the religious person at work. But I wanna remind you, it was the early church, they didn't pray to be cool. They didn't pray to be relevant. They didn't pray to have people like them and, th and think that Jesus was cool. They prayed for boldness, that you'd be bold. And watch what God does with your story, whether it's one like that, or it's a simple one like, yeah, I started going to church and God has made a big difference in my life. It's God that does the saving. And that's why it says in John 3, 
this religious guy goes to Jesus and he says, you know, he wants to know about Jesus and Jesus references Moses in the desert because the, the, Nicodemus was a Pharisee and he, he knew all the stories of the Bible. And he said to him, he said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Moses had this, this staff with a, a bronze snake on it. And when he would hold it up, all the venomous vipers would not bite for whatever reason. And God protected the Israelites in that moment. So Jesus references it and he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man, Jesus, must be lifted up. And it says that when he is lifted up, that the whole world will be drawn to him. See, people aren't gonna find Jesus because we make it cool. People are gonna find Jesus because he's powerful and he changes lives. People aren't gonna find Jesus because we got fog machines. People are gonna find Jesus because the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. So I want you to understand this. This morning, some of you, you need to do something to activate your story. Yes, you have a story. Yes, you have a past. You may be proud of it. You may be ashamed of it, whatever it is. But you're, you're, until you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, until you take that step of faith, your story is just a story that comes and goes and it will be forgotten. I want you to think about that. Everything you work for in this life, everything you're trying to do, everything you want, will come and go and be forgotten. But the Bible says this, that to those who believe in him, but as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God. What that means is when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all of a sudden your story begins in its eternal story. You realize that from your birth, before you were born, God set you apart to know him. And every bad thing that happened in your life, every hurtful thing that's happened in your life, every shameful thing that you may not want to bring up in your life, God is taking and undoing for His glory that when you tell His story, it points other people to Him. But you've got to make that choice if you'll receive Him or not. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, He said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone listens, I will come in. You have to open the door. That's on you. I can't make you. It's your decision. But I tell you this, the God of the universe loves you so much. He has a plan for your life. But he respects you enough that he'll let you go live your own plan. But eternal life only comes through this man, Jesus. And when you receive him. See, the Bible's very clear that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And that the God of the universe wants to begin your story today. That today, September 19th, you showed up at church and there was churros and a dude in a leather vest and a little guy who spits when he talks. And you don't remember what they said, but you just remember the Spirit of God knocking at the door of your heart. And you remember that today was your day. You made the decision. You had the courage to invite him in. You had the courage to say, no, I'm with Jesus now. See, because the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That it means my sin, your sin, our sin has separated us from God for eternity. And it's until 
we receive Jesus, our sins are not forgiven. But when you do that, it begins a whole new story. That your past has a whole new future to it. Why would you ever deny such a gift? It's your choice though. So we're gonna pray right now and maybe you've never prayed to receive Christ. I wanna encourage you wherever you're at, whatever room you're in to do that. If you sense Christ knocking at the door, let him in. Watch what he does. Let's pray.